What are you doing this summer? Why not up your ad game by taking a class at Ad House Advertising School? Classes are taught by working ad pros live on Zoom, so you can take them from anywhere. You get 10 weeks of classes for just $799. You'll practice turning briefs into brilliance every week, and you'll meet some new friends along the way, including special A-list guests that can help you break into your dream agency. Ad House students have gotten jobs at some of the top agencies in the world, including Wyden and Kennedy, Mischief, BBDO, and McCann. Classes are first come, first serve. So register today at adhousenyc.com. That's adhousenyc.com. Ad House Advertising School. Classes for ad nerds, taught by ad nerds. This can be, you can record this or not, but I have actually put a bra on. Oh, good. Because I'm taking this seriously. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so important. I think that says a lot about a person. Thank you. you. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. That's definitely the teaser right before my intro. Hello, ad nerds, and welcome to the A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm your host, Tom Chrisman. I'm one of the ad nerds behind Ad House Advertising School. Today, you're going to hear a conversation with the very funny Lisa Topol, managing partner and executive creative director at Oberland. Oberland is an independent agency that helps brands make good money. That's a play on words that points to the fact that they are a purpose-driven agency. And they're also a B Corp, which we're going to talk to Lisa about what that means. She got her start by taking an ad house class, hello, taught by the late Chris Wall, who uh, hired her and her partner to work on IBM at Ogilvy. Pretty sweet first job. She also worked on Nike at Wyden. She changed the way tampons are marketed at JWT before going on to be an ECD at Gray under Tor and then co-CCO at DDB. Um, she did all this while wearing a bra. Huh. (laughs) This is a jam-packed episode, so I'm going to get right to it. And, uh, this right here is my conversation with Lisa Topol. I thought about it. I was like, no, it's a bra moment. Yeah, this is a bra moment. See, that's the the difference between the people who drop out of this business and the people who stay in it is like, you know, you you take things seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, good morning, Lisa Topol. Hi, hi, Tom Christman. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Good. We're we're recording this on a Sunday morning, and uh, because we both we could not get it together, like you would have a a, a client meeting, I would have a client meeting. Uh, you know that happens. Yeah, it's, it took people. a while, but I'm I'm glad it finally happened. That's why when we agreed on a Sunday, I was like, yes, fine, totally let's, good. Let's do it. Going to happen. Yeah. Whatever will get Bill Overlander to stop texting me, I will do. At this <laughs> point, I'm just kidding. You can keep texting me, Bill. Um. So uh, let's let's start off like we always do. Where 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 did you where did you grow up? I I grew up on Long Island, uh, in Oceanside, which is 
really, it's about a half hour outside of the city. And so really from a kid, we were, we were in the city sort of right away. Although my, my mom was very, very worried about us, you know, and we're, we're 12 year olds and you're sort of going out into the city on your own. And she used to tell me, which maybe was more true then than it is now. She'd be like, you better not go to Port Authority and don't you leave Broadway. Cause if you do this pimps and you're going to become a hooker. And she used to tell me that all the time. And I became terrified. So I would get off at Penn station. I'd get in a cab. I would go on eighth street and I would go on Broadway and I'd come home. And then I got, then I realized it was a little bit fictional as I got a little older, but yeah, she was remembering, up. she was remembering a different New York city. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Uh, as it, as it grew. Um, and so you said we were 12 year olds who, who would go into oh, the city with my, you? me and my older sister would go in. I have an older sister and a younger sister and she was about little, about three years older than me. Okay. And she'd take me in and we would go, you know, shoe shopping and, and you'd go to, to unique, unique. I know it was one of, one of the stores I remember and trash and vaudeville, which is still there. Um, and just st- stores like that where you you get the cool clothing and be the cool kid on Long Island. <laughs> so that's, that's so cool. That's and your Long Island like. accent is still amazing. It's I don't think it's too bad anymore. It I I I actually No, no, think, no. And no. you're when you did your mom's voice. Oh, that, that yeah. That that is incredible. He, he still sounds like that. I I did a pretty good job getting rid of mine. I I actually played for Overland. We were doing little little bios about ourselves and I found some home home movies. Of yeah. me when I was about six or seven, and without any irony, I was, oh my God, it's a hallmark. And I just thought, I sounded like that. And somehow it's 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 gone away. So that's incredible. <laughs> uh so at, at what point did your either of your parents in advertising or anything? No, near no, it? neither neither parent in advertising. My, my dad was uh owned eyeglass stores and my mom is in pharmaceuticals. Um, but my grandmother was way before her time was an entertainer. She was a comedian and she, she entertained, you know, bar mitzvahs and weddings and, and things like that. And I have a big poster in my, in my apartment in the city from congregation shell Torah, where she used to show up and do these stand up routines. Oh my God. She actually did teach all of us from a super young age. Um, sort of how to write funny songs and how to sort of just just write with humor. And that did actually stick with me. So that probably really did help lead me to advertising. Ultimately, I didn't realize it then. Absolutely. Yeah. What was your grandmother's name? Her name was Lynette. And she was super independent, too. I mean, talk about funny. It was her and her accordion player. And she thought that was funny. And it is funny. Yeah. And they they would dress up in like gowns and tuxedos yeah. with their accordion and her microphone, and they they would just go crazy. And they were funny. <laughs> That's incredible. Do you have any fo- like film you of know, them? I have some footage it? of it. Yeah, we ha- we have some of it. I wish I wish we had more to be honest. Um, but more of it sort of in my memory, and it always inspired us to put on silly plays and silly shows and things like that. And it's yeah, it's, it is weird how much it informs me now. Yeah, no, it definitely uh, got into your head as like, yeah. that's fun. And yeah. you, and so, so at what point did you go, uh, what am I going to do for a living? Were you, were you think, what were you thinking you were going to do? Just it, be a pharmacist or be a, an eyeglass person or? Definitely not that. Well, my dad, my dad was in very, very into community theater. That's, I guess, the other thing. And he, he was obsessed with Fiddler on the Roof a lot because he looks like Tevya. 
And he ultimately he got remarried and he's I think he he was mad because he had four girls and a boy instead of five girls. So it ruined his I really am Tevya um, fantasy. But partly out of spite for him, I feel like I probably would have liked theater and stuff like that. But I was like, I'm not doing that. Oh, kind of, interesting. Kind of because of him. Yeah. Um, and I ended up going a very weird route. I went to I went to University of Pennsylvania and I studied to become a professor in 19th century Victorian literature, like nothing to do with any of this. And wow. I sort of like I became kind of fascinated with that time period as like authors like Hardy and Eliot and Dickens and people like that. And there are and sort of the philosophers like Bentham and Coleridge. And that already sounds ridiculous and crazy. And for that kind of reason, that's sort of why I walked away, because I as much as I thought it was really interesting and I thought it was interesting how things sort of transferred from religion to secularism in a really cool way. Nobody cared. And I suddenly just thought, my God, I'm going to be, you know, end up at a university somewhere in that I don't want to live. Right. To people who don't want to hear it. And yeah. it just started to feel very ivory tower and very isolated. And that's when I went back to, you know what else I like doing? I like writing stupid things. I yeah. know advertising. Um, and, and wait, how did you make that leap from stupid things to, from from like, well, so how long did you do the, the literature thing? Two years? Well, I, I was I was going on. I mean, I obviously got my, my BA and I was going on to get my master's. I was heading on to get. Oh, my OK. PhD. So you did four years of of the Victorian thing. Yeah. And then I and then I was getting my master's. And I think that's when it hit me that I, I was sort of like, I, I don't I don't want to do this um, in, sort of before I jumped into the into the Ph.D. And I kind of knew it in the back of my head. I went a super weird route and I ended up working with uh, like a a film production company for a little while. I just sort of was on the periphery of it. I worked for Time Warner for a little bit doing their in-house advertising. And wow. I was like, I don't know. I think I might like this, but I, I want to get into a big agency and I don't know how. And funny enough, I went to Ad House. Ah. And which maybe you're familiar with. Uh, <laughs> yes. I went, I went Heard to Ad House. I took a class in Ad House with Chris Wall. Wow. And me, I met this this person who I believe you also know named Mitchell Ratchick in the class. Uh-huh. And the two of us just got along really well. And then Chris Wall hired us out of the class. And, wow. and so that was my only I didn't go to portfolio school. I didn't do any of that. I took a class at Ad House. So and that's then, the genius of Ad House. Just let's do an yeah. ad right now. Uh, yeah. The genius of Ad House is that it's it's taught by working ad pros. And a lot yeah. of times they will hire right out of the class. We're not guaranteeing. This is not a guarantee. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I know that Michael Rovner, who who does a class now, yeah. he's always, you know, searching for for people out of his class and stuff. So that's that's very cool it that you did so that. So and, cool. and and Chris Wall was amazing. God, he was an icon. He he it, just yeah. a tough guy, though, right? Like a tough guy. You know, he was, he was satisfied. such a good first boss to to have it was actually him and bill which i'm sure we'll get to bill oberland they were my first oh <laughs> bill my gosh and, and chris wall uh were my were my first uh really my first two bosses and at ogilvy at ogilvy and ogilvy you know it was actually a great experience i was there for about five a little over five years and i can't think of a better way to start i, I i'm so yeah. grateful that that's sort of how we did it and especially trusting us without having a, a real portfolio, you know, and just so, sort of. So how did you get it? Like, what, what, uh, uh, so give some advice to like 
people who are taking an ad house class and they or or just showing their work to a uh, to a top notch person. We worked our asses off in the class. I mean, we took we took every assignment very seriously and acted like they were for real. Um, And not and not just and this is advice I'd give to anyone anyway, not just the work itself, but how we presented it, how we talked about why we came up with it. And I think showing that sort of the rigor of thinking helped a lot too, so that I think he realized how we thought was cool. Even if the idea wasn't perfect, he was right. able to catch on to how we were thinking. Yeah. Um, and we still managed to kind of have fun with it. So I think just having that, that kind of balance um, worked. And, you know, when he, when he asked us to come, come work for him, I think it was crazy, you know, and you're like, yes. And <laughs> we got the job and, and our first client was, I was IBM and again, wow. really challenging client. Um, cause you know, especially to, to me for a writer, it's like, suddenly you have to write about middleware and Linux and Unix. And you're like, yes. I, don't know, I don't know what the hell this is. Yeah. And you had to find your way around it. And sort of, so for me, it, it taught me a ton of discipline in terms of how to write and how to write long copy and short copy and TV and print. And so I just, I can't think of a better training ground, frankly, yeah. um, and still, yeah, still to this day, all of it serves me. And he was, he was tough, but he was also really good um, yeah. to young creatives. Like he, he, yes. didn't, he didn't treat us truly as second-class citizens. Our ideas could win. I mean, we, we won, we won Ken Lyons pretty much right away. And it's because he liked the ideas. Like, so you didn't, wow. feel, you didn't feel like you were just sort of on the, on the side burner. So it was, it really couldn't have been better. That's amazing. And what were what were some of the ads that you made that won Ken Lyons that first that first time did, at Ogilvy? We, we did a we did a campaign called called I think it was called Gizmos, and it was a whole campaign with um, that we shot with Joe Pico, which is a whole other experience that yeah. I, in hindsight, I'll tell you, I did, did not not even in hindsight, I did not love that. No, um, and I'm sure a lot of that would not fly today, frankly. Never. Um, but an experience to see how things are done. Cause you're writing on the set. You are typing away as, yeah. as it's being filmed. And sort of the idea was all of these things that people would turn to instead of just turning to IBM for their business solutions. So it was things like magical elixirs and a, and a USB adapter that had 9,000 adapters on it. And um, they were, they were really funny. Uh, right. And yeah, they ended up, they ended up winning, ended up winning lions. Um, wow. And how cool! That is <laughs> so cool. And did you did you get did you guys get a big head from that? Was it like, oh um, shit, we're we're just made for this business. We are gonna crush it. Oh, I don't think so. I think it was. Oh no, now what do we do? <laughs> I think it was. I <laughs> think it was more I like was, that. Was maybe lucky. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. Now what? Yeah. So I think it was almost the opposite a little bit where it created a little bit, a little bit of fear, but also, but also a lot of motivation, like in the back of your head, you're like, you can do this, you can do this. Yes. And so, no, it definitely did not create a big head <laughs> for yeah. sure. Josh, Josh Kilmer Purcell and I uh, yeah. were working at around that time, I guess at Kirschenbaum. Uh, and we won a, a lion. We won a bronze lion, which we were yeah. like, yes, that's the one to win. You don't want to yeah. go like bronze right. is cool. You're just in the, you showed up, your name's on the list. And then we, we turned to each other and we said, we've peaked. 
<laughs> this is it. Yeah, and, and Josh Kilmer has done nothing since then, too. So no, just, yeah, he's you know. not, not successful at all. It's crazy. I actually <laughs> saw him on Home Shopping Network last night. I was flipping the channels, and, and there he was with Beekman Boys. I'm like, God, that's so cool. <laughs> I know. It's so great. He's like... <laughs> He's like Vanna White up there with his it's things. Fabulous. It's, it's, it's amazing. It could not ha- truly could not happen to a nicer person. So it's absolutely so, it's so great to see that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I miss him so much. Um, so, so you're at Ogilvy, yeah. uh, you're with your partner. How did you, how did you partner up with? Uh, with well, that was, it started with, with Mitch Ratchik and that was through Mitch Ad House. We met, Sorry. we met at Ad House and he was such a wacko. And I mean that actually in the best way. Yeah. I remember the, the first time I met him, we, we were sort of randomly paired up in the class. And I was like, well, okay, whatever. It's cool. And we were on a subway platform and suddenly, and, and he'll kill me if he hears this, because I'm going to use the wrong word, because I can't remember what kind of martial art it was that he was telling me about. Yeah. But insert martial art thing here. And he's like, have you ever heard of it? And I was like, no, I, I, I haven't. You know, yeah. I could pick you up and I could flip you over. And 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 he's very he's he's much, he's not a, a big guy. Yeah. And I thought, well, no, you can't. And I says, well, if you tried that and then I just grabbed him and picked him up, I was like, I would just pick you up. And then he laughed and I laughed and I just thought, yeah, we're going to get along fine. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and so, you know, we did get along well. And then, you know, Ogilvy just switched a ruse and they switched us up with people. Um, and. Mitch is Mitch. I would, you know, Mitch could probably tell you the story. Mitch ended up having some, some crazy stuff happen to him on the medical side of things. He ended up um, having a, a, a brain tumor actually. Wow. And which was crazy. And he's totally fine now. Mitch is totally fine. Um, but it was, I thought he was kidding. Cause he was always joking. And I'm like, you're making that up. You're joking. But he was not joking. Oh my God. Um, and I was doing Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's a tumor. I was just <laughs> laughing and laughing and he, it was for real. Um, it's crazy. Um, and so for a little while he, he had to step out and yeah. um, I ended up um, sort of moving to Wyden Kennedy from, from Ogilvy. Yeah. 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 So, so you mo- did you move across the country? No, I did Wyden Kennedy, New York. Oh, okay. Uh, and who was, who was at Wyden and Kennedy, New York at the time? It was Ty Montague and Todd Waterbury were the were the were, were in charge, and then uh, Kevin Proudfoot uh, yes. stepped in as well. And that's also where I met Derek Barnes, who ended up being my partner for basically over a decade. Yeah. So I worked with Derek at Anomaly, Anomaly. for yep. about a year, and he yep. what a great guy. Um, we got to get him on here. I got to hear that story. Fabulous. He's at Arts and Letters right now, but I truly miss him every single day. So, so you go to Wyden. It's that was, that was a very intimidating job. And yeah. And, and again, I don't, I don't regret any move in my career because I learned something from all of them. And that one was really great because I remember walking in and being like, I can't do this. They don't, they should not have hired me. Yeah. The imposter. I don't know how I pulled this off and this is, I'm going to be terrible. And then you learned almost instantly. You had to be like, no, no, I'm, you, you know, have remember why you got sort of hired and it maybe it took a few weeks. It didn't take that long. And then I was like, no, no, I do belong here. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's good. But it was terrifying. I remember walking in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. but you did well and you, yeah. you got, you, you got a lot of sports stuff. You got a I lot of, it. uh, you were, you were, uh, again, you were crushing it. Lots of, 
I don't, I, I hate even saying the award stuff because I genuinely, and I've learned it more as I've gotten older, don't care so much anymore. And I care about yeah. other things more. Um, but especially at that time, you did, you did care. And, and yeah, knowing that the work was out there and the work was doing well. And the work, sorry, Tinks, I have a lot of dogs and um, sometimes they, here's, well, you can see one of Who's them. Who's that? This is, come up here. This is Tinkle. Hey, <laughs> My Tinkle. Is saying hello to everyone. Hello, Tinkle. Hey, Tinkle. Ah, that Tinkle's looking my face. Um, but um, yeah, I, it, I I I learned a lot of great stuff there. And for you know, for a long part of the time I was there, um, I was the only female writer, and that was an experience too, especially in a sports place. Yeah. Um, very good and bad. Um, yeah. But definitely growth and learning for sure. And I got yeah. to meet all of my favorite athletes. So. It, pretty great. <laughs> how, how do you, how do you walk that line of like being one of the, I don't want to say, but one of the, like one of the guys uh, in the crew, but also not one of the guys. I don't know that I ever was one of the guys. And I, and I, okay. and I will tell you from a perspective, I think that was really hard all the time. And not that I didn't make tons of friends there. And I, I right. did yeah, and, and didn't get to know lots of people, but you always felt like, and I think it's something frankly that they have fixed. Mm-hmm. I, I think when I was there, it's part of part of why I made my decision actually to leave. Ty Montague left to go to JWT and he invited me to go with him and I ended up going with him. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people are like, what? You're going to leave? Why didn't you go to JWT? And part of the reason I did it is because, A, I got along really well with Ty and, and I knew it would push my career, which it did. I mean, yeah. because then I became a CD and I got to run JetBlue and I got to do things that I knew were important for my career. But the other thing was it widened. It was very boyish to be quite frank. Right. Um, and it's, I do know it so much better now, but at the time it was super challenging. Yeah. Um, and as much as you fit in, you didn't fit in. And, you know, you'd have days where it would really just get to you. And, you know, without going into too much detail, I think that that was a really frustrating thing for me, which was sort of like, I'm obviously proving myself. I can do all the work. I can do all the running, but I'll never quite right. fit in. Yeah. And especially in a, in a culture where it's all about sports yeah. and I knew sports really, really well. I loved sports, but you still, you had to prove yourself in a very different way. Yeah. Um, and so it was a great experience. It was a very real experience. Um, and I, We'll never forget my time there. And I love that place. And they've grown. Yeah. Uh, I've been there. Yeah. And, and that, that shows you that like, you don't really work for an agency as much as you work for a, a boss, a person, a human being. Um, yeah. And Ty Montague is one of those human beings. And, and, right. and he's honestly, the reason I wanted to work there is because he was there. He had been at BBH yep. before. And I, like, I had met with him and always really, really uh, bought into his whole thing of, you know, it's not about advertising. It's about stuff. It's about making things that people want to spend time with. And he very much still believes that. And, um, I just, I always wanted to work for him. So, so you left because he was like, Hey, come on over to JWT. And you were like, okay. And that's where I met you. Yeah, uh, when I came there to work for Ty as well. And it was (laughs) similarly to your first job. It was on Microsoft Business, which yeah. virtualization, and uh, I had no idea what I was writing. I was just writing stuff. I was like, yeah, with 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 micro virtualization, you can just change the whole <laughs> what? 
And you and you learn really quickly that you think, well, most people that read this, they only need to know the surface too. So that's all I got to learn. I got to learn the, yeah. sort of the, the basics of it. And if I can sort of understand the most simplified version of what the hell is going on, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the, other, the other thing was that uh, Ty was very much into like, let's run it like, let's not make ads that let's not write yeah. ads. Let's, let's just interview really smart people yeah, uh, about these subjects. And then we'll make the ads out of those interviews. So they were, yep. they were very, very ahead of their time in that uh, yep. he wanted to, he said, let's run this like a newsroom, you know, and yep. the yep. news we're putting out is, you know, obviously yeah, propaganda great. for Microsoft, but it's news all the same, right? So we're, and, you know, we're not pretending it's news. We're pretending it's blog posts. We're pretending it's, and it is news you know, need little podcasts. Yep. This is before podcasts, even he was doing little podcasts in the banners, you know, like yep. you could click on it and watch a little video. Yeah, um, he's very smart. yeah he's so smart. And it was, he was uh, really good. He's really, he's tough in the best way too. Again, I remember that at my first widen where I got something back and the whole thing was crossed out. I was like, okay, so uh, good. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like, I'll go redo that. And it, it got better, got way better. Um, so yeah. you were, you were at, and you were running JetBlue. What was that like your yeah. first CD that was, uh, It was experience. really fun. I mean, it was, it was, it's such a great account and I was doing it with someone that I worked with at Wyden Kennedy, Robert Rasmussen was there. Oh, right. And so that was really nice. That was sort of um, very comforting for me. Cause I knew, I knew we got along. We had done some really fun work over at Wyden together. So that, that made that transition a little bit easier. Um, sort of jumping into that, uh, and frankly, at all of these jobs, I still have sort of lasting friendships and um, sort of admiration for people throughout and sort of always keep in touch with those people. And yeah. um, so that was it was really fun. Um, I really liked I really liked working on the JetBlue work. And again, it was sort of that learning how uh, not just to to do the work, but to manage the work. And it put a little bit more onus on you to to know what's good and what's bad and to be more rigorous yourself. Yeah. Um, so I, it, again, it was a great experience. I really, really liked it. And what was your experience running teams and taking care of teams and making sure they all got fed yeah. and, and uh, fed with ideas and, 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 <laughs> and fed with work and fed with awards or whatever they wanted. And, I loved you know. it. I loved it. Yeah. And again, this is where, and it's, it, I want to say it sounds so weird now, but maybe it still doesn't. Very few female creatives um, as a whole, and certainly in leadership. Again, if I go and I look back at, at IBM days, there was there was a few, and I, I'm sure you know some of them, and I can, Susan Wester, Andrea Sinner, there was, there was a few um, female creatives there, very few. And so it was not unusual for me to be in a room with 20 people and be the only woman. Mm. And it was not unusual at Wyden, for sure to be the only woman in the room that was mm -hmm. a creative. Uh, and so as I started to sort of be in that position to lead more, it became a big deal to me. And it became a big deal to me to try and get women in to creative. And when they did get in to make sure that I was there as an advocate, because I had experienced so much of the crap um, that I knew they, they would experience. And I wanted to try and start to cut that down. You mm -hmm. are treated differently. And especially when it comes to humor, I, I'm not going to name names, but I will tell you many a times I got told women aren't funny. Oh, and I can tell you from grandma Lynette story yeah. earlier yeah. on, 
Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, Grandma would, Lynette would hit them over the head with an accordion. Yeah, with her accordion. Them. That's yeah. right. And so that was that was always sort of a struggle. And then you'd be like, oh, that's funny. As if it was a surprise that you could be funny um, or that you could do something. I, I was very, very vehement early in my career not to do beauty products, not to do shampoo, not to do any women's products, because I was very, very um, aware and concerned about be- sort of how women get pigeonholed into just those those. Mm-hmm those genres. So mm-hmm. that's part of the reason I was so excited about IBM actually is because it was tech and I thought yeah. perfect. And then sports, perfect. Yes. Um, and it wasn't actually until JWT that I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I can work on women's products. Not only can I work on women's products, I can make them killer. Oh yeah. Um, but I needed to have the confidence that I could prove that I could do things outside of, of, of women's, um, women's products. And I, I worked with Samira Ansari, who's still one of my best friends. And now it just became CCO at Deutsch. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we did a You by Kotex thing together there. That was absolutely. I remember it well. Fabulous. What um, was the, what was the campaign idea? So people could look it um, up. I, you know what? I didn't even particularly have a, a line on it. It was really okay. just about um, why it was sort of the, it was the first ads to do sort of why the hell do we use blue liquids yes. in, in our in period campaigns and yeah. why can't we say vagina and why can't we, I mean, now that's become a more common thing, but this was the first one to do it. Yeah. And it was a, it was a really big deal. Uh, and the pack with all the packaging, we got changed to be black and cool and not, yes. have, you know, baby pink with, with light blue florals on it. Um, so sort of every, every element of it was changed. And I remember one of the spots we ran, we still, it was a joke about not being able to say vagina. So it was the medical condition that runs with angina and they still wouldn't run it because that was the FCC was like, no, that's too gross. <laughs> that's too crazy. So it ran on MTV, I believe once. And then that one was pulled, uh, but it's, it's ridiculous. But, but it that, won tons that, of awards, that stuff. Yeah. As well. Yeah. won tons of awards and, and sort of times have changed since then. And then I picked up, Chick, I did. I ended up doing a lot of women's projects, uh, sort of women's brands there, and started to find comfort in that as well. That I could do that and be pushy, yeah. Um, which was which is really a nice a nice feeling uh, to yeah. be able to do both and not have to worry about it so much anymore. But um, definitely, I'm always sort of looking out for women creatives and senior women creatives because we still need more of them. How do you get the client to do something like that? Were they just ready for it? Was that like, was the, did the strategy set that up or how did, how did you get them to agree to I think, all this I think craziness? Lot, I think a lot of times it's, it's so hard. I mean, and it's hard for me to remember that one exactly. I do not believe um, it was all that easy. Uh, I think it's pushing them really hard to just remind them if you want to, if you want to change. I mean, they were, they had um, Tampax to, to, to fight against and they, and they weren't winning the market. And, and sometimes that's the best place to be in is the brands that are struggling yep. to beat a competitor because they're just more willing to take risks than a brand mm-hmm. that's doing well. Mm-hmm. And so I think that little bit of knowing if they don't change something, nothing's going to change is what ultimately allowed them to do it and sort of being annoying and sort of being like allowing them to be angry at you and allowing them to question you and just holding the course uh, and, and I always sort of feel like being honest, you can't promise anything. I always feel like, is, is this going to work? It's like, well, I don't, I can't tell you for sure it's going to work. I'm not, I, I'm not a, you know, I can't see the future, but 
I know it's definitely not going to work if you just do the same thing. So let's try. And yeah. in that case, they they finally did. And it started to do very well, very quickly. Um, wow. So, so, so when you say they, they finally did, how long did it take? How many pitches did you give them uh, of this? Oh, like, was, let's do was, something that crazy. Was a, that was a lot. That that took a while and a lot of a lot of rewrites and reiterations. And then, you know, same thing with when we did Chic for them afterwards. And that was about, you know, it was a a pubic hair trimmer. And we did a whole song called Mow the Lawn and we did all this ridiculous stuff. And yeah, that one went through again lots of craziness and lots of tension. But that was social media. And it was when it was first becoming sort of that's God, we're old. It was when it was sort of first becoming popular. And so yeah. they felt a little less risk, risk averse because they knew, well, it's not TV and it won't cost us as much. So, okay, we'll do it. And then when yeah. it ended up doing really well, um, that was a huge bonus for them. But I don't, I don't really know most campaigns though, where you get to the really great risky stuff right away. Usually there's always fear that comes with that from the clients and, you know, just making sure that you can do something crazy, but it still has to sell the product and it still has to, you can't just be crazy for crazy sake. Yeah. So I think, I think finding that, that line takes time sometimes and, and it takes back and forth and it takes letting clients know that you're not just doing it for yourself. Um, that you are actually, it doesn't do you any good if the clients don't end up being happy and if the brand doesn't end up doing better. So for me, it's just a constant reassurance that it's not just my ego and it's not just my, that's when I go back to awards. It's not just, I want a lion. Yeah. It's, it's, I want this to do well for you. And for me, I care a lot more about popular culture response than I, than I do certainly now about awards. I care about, does my mother know about it? Yeah. Uh, did my friends see it? Did they react to it? Because sometimes the, you know, the award shows can be very, very insulated. You see mm -hmm. work in them all the time that has never really seen the light of day. Some of a lot of it is not real. Yeah. Um, or just some of it that it's great, but it, it didn't really go anywhere. And that's cool. But I feel like that's for you. Yes. And I like the stuff that's for me and them. That actually that's solves for, a business problem. Yeah. That's and, for me and the client. Yeah. And that rocks when that happens. And that's much harder to do. Yeah. Um, but I still just try to stick with that. And, and the, you know, the other thing you had was, was Ty and Rosemary Ryan. who Rosemary is amazing. Too. Who will fight to the death for an yep. idea. If, yep. if you've got them, you know, backing it, they will, they will go to the mat for it. And, uh, and that's good to have, because when you don't have that, then you're like, you're, you're having those conversations with the client and you're always thinking, uh, am I pushing it too far? Am I, you know, am I going to make them mad? And then they're going to tell them they want me off the business and they're going to say, and, okay. And, and he would never do really that. Good. They would I'm never sure, do that. I'm sure you know that, that Ty and Rosemary are really good. I know with Georgina Hoffman was also working on it with, yes. with, 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 with Sammy, with Samira. And the I Aussie, just remember the Aussies. the Aussies, but we're all pushy, you know? And I feel <laughs> like um, Ty and Rosemary are actually very appreciative of that. Like they, they don't hold you back. Like if you're fighting for something, yeah, they're okay with you sort of fighting for something. They allow you to sort of have that passion and to push and to fight and to get things where you want to go, they're going to push back where they need to push back. But your passion is appreciated. Yeah, um, it's I, important. I, it's so yeah. it's so necessary because if you don't have the passion, you're definitely going to just mail it in and roll over, and and then it's not going to be as good. It's such a strange 
dance we have to do with uh yeah. with the business side um so so you go on from uh jwt where it was like i really feel like that was like such a such a magic moment there in like 2008 2010 yeah. Yeah. um you go off to gray is that when you went go, to gray? no i went to i went to shy at day first, oh right uh and became a, a gcd over at at shy at day uh, at jerry graff shy at day with was mark Pelio. okay uh, who I still, again, I've been, I, I mean, I think about this. I'm like, wow, I have been so lucky. Yeah. Because I, I feel have, the same way. I have run into some absolutely incredible people and Mark Filio is for sure one of them. Yeah. And again, another example of someone who is ridiculously talented and also ridiculously kind and, and ridiculously nice. And I, you know, when I see him running fig right now, a, it doesn't surprise me that he's doing it and then it's doing well. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I hate being one of the people that's like when mean people do well, there's that little piece of you that's like, <laughs> so when I see him do well, I feel good. I feel really good and really Absolutely. excited because he deserves every second of it. He's, he's a really smart person. And again, he was, he was really, really good to me and let me push things and sort of let me work through things and was a really great partner. So I, I feel like I got, I got a lot better. And, you know, for a while I was there and I was, um, there was so much work and I was on my own and, you know, we didn't have a ton of teams and I was up every, every night. I mean, to, I don't think probably very overworked, um, and pitching and pitching and we were winning a lot of the pitches, which is great, except, it just was became too much to do. Yeah. Um, and I ended up um, telling him, I was like, I'm a huge believer in the partner system. And I do wish that I don't think that's quite the case anymore. And I think it's all because of finances. It's not because of performance, because performance wise, I still think partners work better mm -hmm. um, when you have that sort of ability to bounce off of someone. Mm -hmm. And I was, but I was a GCD on my own. And I said, listen, I'm going to end up, you know, doing a lot of the work too. And, uh, if you want me to stay, I want a partner. And I actually brought in Sammy. I brought back in um, Sammy to be my partner there. Um, and that was great. And then we got to continue to, to work together there. Uh, and it just makes your life a little easier, oh my God. It's a, so little, great. a little more stress-free and yes, you can cover for each other, but you also, you know, when you sit there and you go, this is a dumb idea, but you have the per you have that very intelligent wall to bounce off of that can tell you when in fact it is stupid yeah. or when in fact there's a little little grain of something cool there and it's much easier than talking to your dog or talking to the wall yeah um when when you have that so especially at the more senior levels now you just don't see it anymore you know and i if i'm right. jumping ahead that's where i went i ended up um when when mark left um shy it very soon. I mean, I, I, when, once I knew he was leaving, I was leaving, yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave too. So I, I basically left right on top of him leaving. Um, and that's when I went to, to gray Yeah, and that was sort of a weird story. There's a, there's a, an account person who's now the president of Digitas named Caroline Winterton, who I still think is one of the most brilliant. If you're out there, Caroline, hi, I think one of the most brilliant account people and not just account people, just people <laughs> I've ever met. And she was with me at, we were at Wadden, we were at Shiat, and she was at Gray. And she's like, well, you should come here. I was like, well, I have to come here because you're there. Yeah. yeah. And we follow each other. Yeah. Um, and she was at Ogilvy also, by the way, like the, our whole careers. That's so crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and we always work together and she's just so smart. And 
she told me about this, this job at Gray and Tormiran was there at the time. And he, you know, he had such a great reputation mm-hmm. and sort of old Gray and new Gray, you know, you would never think about Gray. And then when Tor got there, you're like, well, I'd think about Gray. Yeah. And it was to run the NFL. And I thought, well, I miss sports from, from my widened days. It was really fun to work on that. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's give this a go. And I found out that it was down to me and another person. And I asked Carolina, oh, who's, do you know who it is? I mean, I'm just curious. Who's it down to? She goes, Oh, it's, you know, Derek Barnes. And I thought Derek Barnes I was like, I love Derek Barnes and we get along so well. And I thought, wow, that's great. And I said to her, well, that's so good for you because no matter who they pick, you're going to have someone fabulous to work with. So that's great to know. And then when Tor found out that we got along with each other and that we knew each other, he's like, well, how about I hire you both? Wow. Hold on. Hey. And we're like, yes, please. And that we ended up um, coming there together as ECDs. And he gave us what he called a super group. So we had, it, it was bigger. You know, I went on, we went on to be co-CCOs at DDB after, but actually the yeah. Bray was even bigger than DDB. Wow. Huge. And we just absolutely got along so well. Yeah. From sort of every perspective. And it was very unorthodox because Derek and I are both writers. So yes. normally you'd be an art director and a writer. So this was super weird. And again, we thank Tor for, for doing it. Yeah. Um, but using this word, cause it sounds so dorky to say that it was magical, but it was, it was a little bit magical. And I think yeah. the teams loved it. We loved it. And the work showed for it. Like yeah. we just, we just hit it off so well. So yeah. what's the, what's the, what's the thing? What's the important, what's the magic there? Um, God, again, this is going to sound really dorky. It's liking each other and trusting each other and, and trusting in your, um, like knowing that you trust the other person's creativity first, like knowing that you believe in their skill and their talent. And so you're, you're, you're there with someone who, who, you know, is not going to sort of like something that's terrible or right. someone that has good taste. Um, and then knowing that you can very much talk openly and freely with each other. And I think we were very good at sort of, if you have a really kind of crappy beginning of an idea, we could build it with each other. So I sort of, I think we were very good at seeing sort of the little, the little crumbs of the idea mm-hmm. in a rough idea and then building sort of back and forth off of each other until it got better. And then, you know, sometimes when you get so close to something and you're, and you're reading it and you're sort of like, I, I think this is pretty good. You, you're too close. And it's nice to sort of pass it on to the other person and say, you look at it. And now you get a fresher perspective and you clean something up even more. And so I felt like we weren't, com- you know, I think sometimes maybe yin and yang were together. We were probably a little closer to like yin and yin, although we used to be called fire and ice and I was fire and he was ice. Cause I'm definitely the more fiery one. And Derek doesn't never ever yeah. sort of loses his cool. And, and, yeah. and I can, yeah. um, so there was, de- there was definitely that like a call. I used to laugh whenever if I used to be like, if you upset Derek, you really better check what you did because <laughs> it's hard to do that. And if, if you had, <laughs> you fucked up somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's sort of a joke, but we just, we, we were like-minded enough to know what we considered good and what we liked. Um, but just respectful enough of each other to 
to always, always listen to what the other person was saying and never let one of our own egos get in the way. And even if you love something and they absolutely, you know, I knew if he's like, no, this is not working. I kind of knew I'm like, all right, I, I think he's, he's, he's right. I need to give up this baby. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and you, you had to get there. You had to sort of have that sort of disagreement to get to the, yeah. the final and then respecting each other enough to be like, all right, you were right. I was wrong. Or, okay, I'll give you this one or whatever, whatever the end of the argument is until you, sure. you sort of uh, see how it works. And then you're like, all right, that's cool. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Derek is a great guy. Um, and so you're doing that, you go on to DDB, you do that. What's the difference between being an ECD and being a CCO? <laughs> um, being an ECD is, is more fun than <laughs> being a CCO. Um, an ECD, I think you're still so tight to the work. Um, and then once you become a CCO, you're so tight to the budget and you're so tight to the business side of it and the comings and goings of it. And it's so important to learn. And so I have no regrets learning any of that. Yeah. Um, but there's a little less joy that goes with it. Yeah. Um, or at least that was, you know, my experience. And I think in part it's because that's, that's, I'm sure that's probably the case everywhere, especially when you're part of a holding company though, because you're in charge, but you're never really in charge. Yeah. You're in charge, but there's these guys on yachts. Yes. you know, uh, off Saint-Tropez who are really in charge. Yes. And so you're sort of always still beholden to that. And so even when you think you can make independent decisions, you cannot. And now you have sort of the, you're responsible for the whole agency and you're responsible for their well-being. And, you know, when you're told things like, oh, we're cutting a budget for no reason or we're doing whatever. Yeah. Oh, go fire some people. And you're sort of like, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Um, and I don't agree. And I don't, and you don't necessarily have that say. Um, it drives and, so many really smart people out of this business because they get to that point, like, well, not out of the business, but like into their own thing, which is probably a good thing. Um, but yeah. like the Ty Montague leaving JWT, I think is because of the UPS pitch. I don't, I don't yeah. know that for a fact, but yeah. I was on the UPS pitch. We won that pitch. Yep. yep. Uh, it was handed to Ogilvy. I'm, I'm not going to, yep. I'm definitely biased. I'm definitely totally biased. Yep. I, don't believe a word I say, but <laughs> we won that pitch and it was handed to Ogilvy because that's what, you know, the powers that be needed to have happen. And, uh, and maybe that's what UPS wanted. I don't know. Maybe there was something there, but it That's, really made me so we spent so much time so much money so much creative energy from all over the world of great people yeah. um and then we just we lost it because of a i don't know a coin toss or something so you know, that, I, that's frustrating i remember i went when i was thinking about taking taking the job and becoming a cco i remember I actually went and talked to mark filio about it and you know here he is starting his own place which is a, which is also a very different thing because he's got a different level of control but i do remember he he said to me and and i used to see his frustrations at shyat just particularly magnified there to be quite frank like i yeah. i really i would see the creative sort of fights he would have to have to do good work and i thought man i'm glad i don't have to be the one in that room all the time yeah and he said to me, he's like, your hair's going to go gray. Just be prepared for that. Your hair's going to go gray. And he, he, he's not wrong. Um, it's like being president of the United States. right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. There's too and, many things that are going wrong at all times. 
for you yeah, to have I mean, any fun. <laughs> you find that you're, you know, you are a step away from the work. Derek and I were both very um, hands-on that way. I mean, we were still very much believers and we're not just there to, you know, point and we're not there to just do the business side. We, we want good work. And so we got very involved with our creatives and we, you know, we were lucky. We got to bring a lot of people over with us from gray yeah. and from, from former oh, places great. and then had some really wonderful creatives at DDB and felt it was important to be in there with them and doing the work with them and doing mm-hmm. everything we can to make it better. And just to fight for them when they didn't know we were fighting for them sort of in yeah. the background. I think that's something it is hard to know until you're doing it, how much crap goes on that you're protected from. Absolutely. Um, and that hopefully a good CCO will protect you from it and you won't feel all of it. Yeah. But there's crazy stuff that goes on and budget conversations. And, you know, to your point, no, uh, we know that you won this account, but we're going to bring it here. All that yeah. kind of stuff yeah. that, that you're fighting for and you're putting your own ass on the line. And then you can be the one who's called out for being difficult or being this, but right. I, I never regret what I fought for. So. Yeah. But then when you're independent, you have all these different struggles and all these yeah. other stresses because you don't have the support. Like if you're not doing well, there's no one to come to your rescue. Right. So you can't hire all your friends from every yeah. place you've been and come on yeah. over here and help me. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> speaking of that, you're at Oberlin now. You're I back am. with Bill Oberlander. I sure am. The beginning I'm, and the end. Uh, like it's, it's, uh, I have literally done the two everything <laughs> turn, turn, turn. <laughs> no, you've um, got a few more laps around this place, yeah. but, uh, but that's crazy. He was also, you know, it's, it is funny though, because a lot of those things that you're talking about were things that Derek and I were both feeling like it felt, felt a little dark, to be honest. And I think when COVID hit as well, everyone I know sort of did the reassessment of life and you kind of fell into that phase. And I think we were both looking at it and just feeling like sort of maybe the direction of the, of the agency and sort of, it clearly wasn't matching with, with us. Right. And you weren't having fun. No, and we weren't as a human, fun. and that's important. Yeah. That's an important and, thing to recognize. And so I think it was just a decision of you know it was hard too because you know and you have so many people that are loved there and everything else. And I think ultimately, when deciding what to do next, you know, I I had frankly I'd considered other CCO positions, and I thought, well, I might I could go to this agency and I could become a, a CCO again. And I was like, do I want? To become, which is such a weird thing to say because you think, no, that's what you're supposed to do. And then you're supposed right. to become a rise up the global CCO and you're supposed to do this. And right. I was like, I don't think I want to be a CCO. Yeah. Um, I, I think I want to get a little closer to the work again. And I, who knows? I mean, you, like to your point, yeah. Lord knows if that'll that'll change in the future. But yeah. I really kind of felt like that. And so did Derek. And and the heartbreak for us is we really wanted to stick together. And because especially independent agencies, they don't have the money. Right. Pay for two sort of ECDs or two CCOs. We found it really challenging when we had first decided to look together from gray. We, we found a few opportunities together, Mm -hmm. but we could see that was changing and that's heartbreaking. We still talk to each other nearly every day, but I, we, we knew that that was, that was going to be tough. And so we tried to look together and then we, we looked separately and sort of, again, in my conversations, when I was at gray and when tour left and I just, and Derek and I were like, okay, I think, you know, we should, we should look. I went to Bill. Bill, Bill, and Chris Wall were my first two bosses at uh, at Ogilvy, and Bill was also from day one. I mean, I remember how supportive he was of me, 
and actually said to me after it was for Motorola. And I, I remember I, I did two things. First, I sang a song to him to I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. I rewrote it for Motorola and he let me sing it and was just laughing. And I was like, thank you for letting me sing that. And then I did a presentation with him for Hello Moto and I put on a pink wig and did like a crazy ass presentation. And I was still a junior though, but he let me go to the presentation and he let me do it. And he said to me after the presentation, I just want you to know you're going to run an agency one day. And kind of crazy and sort of amazing to hear from somebody at that at that age when you're like, yeah, no, no. but he's like, no, you are. And yeah. he supported me. Like I kept in touch with him throughout and gave he truly, truly gave me confidence as a baby. Yes. To know that I could do this. And that is such a huge deal. And he's always been like that. You know, he started the Young Guns program yeah. um, with the ICP. He's always believed in sort of young talent and nurturing them. And again, when we were looking, I saw that he had started Overland and that it was it was purpose driven. And we actually tried to convince Derek and I tried to convince Gray to start a purpose driven arm. We were like, you should really do something about purpose driven work. That's what you should do. It's important. It's the future. And they were not ready to do that. And so I said, well, Bill, how do I do it on my own? And he was like, <laughs> kind of laughed. He's like, it's really hard. Kind of to what I said, the, the ups and downs of trying to run your own business are incredibly hard. Yeah. Um, and I ended up going, going to DDB. But when I, when I left, he was one of the first phone calls I got. And he says, okay, finally, is it time for you to just come work with me again? Is it time for us to to partner up. And I sort of thought about it. And, and I was like, one of the things that was bothering me about, and this isn't just DDB. I mean, this is really just advertising in general. Yeah. What was, hold on a second. All right. Thanks. Come here. Um, sorry. <laughs> they hate, they hate below, uh, your dogs hate Bill Oberlander. Little known fact. <laughs> I think, I think Oberland might hate my dogs because they, they, they they're very in? vociferous. Yes. Oh, but, that's uh, fun. He's, he's, Are you in the really office right now? No, I'm at home. Oh, okay. But Tinkle is running around playing. She plays with toys by herself. And so she's running around throwing yeah. a toy and then chasing it. And yeah. 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 Um, but I you forgot know, it was Sunday. First. Yeah. He said, he said to me, he's like, you know, come. Finally, it's time you should, you should come work with me. And one of the things that it wasn't, like I said, it was, it was all, all agencies and it was advertising in general. It was sort of feeling frustrated looking at what's happening in the world. And I know you could probably look at any generation and they're frustrated with what's happening in the world. Yeah. It does feel particularly pressing right now. And it does feel particularly scary. And it mm -hmm. does feel like deals are particularly big. And I had, I'm very, very active politically um, in my sort of my own personal time. And mm -hmm. I help run a, 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 a I know Facebook, you, take it or leave it, but I, I'm still on it. And I run a very, very big Facebook group um, for activists and actually agility. I, I put together my uh, dog agility love and activism. And with a few other friends of mine in agility, uh, we, we run a progressive agility activist group, but it's got thousands of people in it. Um, and I'm just very active in local, local politics, things like that. And mm -hmm. I just sort of thought, that stuff's really important to me. And as much as I I'm very interested to know what kind of toilet paper use, you know, people use, and I'm really interested in knowing what candy bar you prefer the most. Like there was a piece of me that just thought, my God, am I sort of wasting my mind and my time on things like that? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, versus trying to use it for things that I actually care about. 
Right. And can they go together? And more importantly, can it be creative? Because I, I think it's sometimes lacking in creativity when I when I look at some of that stuff, other yeah. than sort of things that are created just for the sake of awards. And you can feel that a lot of times the things that are moving or emotional. Is it is it meant to be something you continue? Is it meant to be something you care about? Or is it meant to win awards? And I would never make a blanket statement because I, I think a lot of, of creatives and advertising agencies are so desperate to work on those assignments because they want to do something they care about. Yeah. Um, but the big agencies don't necessarily put aside money just to do good. They put money aside to do good to win awards. Yes. Um, and I sort of thought, well, what if I can focus in on that and focus in on the stuff I care about? And that's what Bill was doing. I mean, when he, when he started Overland, it is genuinely a purpose-driven agency. It's not a bullshit purpose-driven agency. And it's a real B Corp, which means a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't know that, that if, if people really realize that, but they actually, they, they walk the walk. You know, it's things like our insurance is covered. And that seems like such a, a silly thing, but people in advertising, how many places can you name where your insurance is actually like fully covered? Yeah. Things like that, where you're treated well, where the salaries are fair, just all these things that I just thought to work somewhere where their mental space is the same as mine. Yeah. I sort of thought I could be a CCO again, or I could try to work somewhere with someone who I know I trust, someone who I know I respect. That's um, the other thing. Yeah. Like it, you, and you've always throughout your career, what I'm hearing is you've, yep. you've either gone to work for or surrounded yourself with. Always people that you love and trust um, and know can do the job. Um, and that's what you did. You said, where am I going to go? Oh, let me look at people that I really, yep. I really trust and, and love. And, and yep. Bill O is, is, is one of those guys. So, and, and, and I will tell you that people are more, uh, this, this is, this is word of advice. People are more important than the place because Absolutely. If, you, if you, if you find the right people, the work, starts to come you can be at a place that you think is so cool and you'll be sitting in a corner if someone isn't advocating for you and someone doesn't care about you and you can rot away in a corner and that is a terrible place to be and it's even more frustrating because you're like this is the cool place why is nothing happening oh yeah um, it makes you feel even like your imposter syndrome gets mm -hmm. like a little nudge like say you were right you're not yep. part of the gang and it's like it's so hard and um, we all have imposter syndrome to some absolutely. extent everybody has it. And so finding places that remind you that you shouldn't have it is very, very important. And so it, it, it was, it was such an interesting decision to make because it was such a change from sort of, I existed in either the big holding companies or at, you know, famous places like Wyden and now is going to somewhere much smaller with a different sort of client base. Um, and I will tell you, Drew Train is, is Bill's partner. Yes. Two of the most great. outstanding human beings that I've ever met that sort of, we just share beliefs and it was just so cool. I mean, I could just see it truly, truly right away. Sort of everything's in the open. When I talked about sort of, you think you run the show, but you don't run the show. There's, you know, there's always meetings going on behind closed doors somewhere else. And that's not happening there. I know like good and bad. I know what's happening. We're told what's happening. We're shared sort of with what's going on. And even in terms of clients that we're bringing on, they discuss it with everybody. You know, you don't, I, I've had it happen at several places where I was told to work on a client and I was like, I don't want to work on that. I don't, 
I'm not selling I'm that. Thinking of a bunch of them right uh, now. I'm sure, I'm right? Like, no. <laughs> and I wouldn't do it. And then you become difficult. And then you become no. The you're truth not teller. You're the truth you're, teller. Yeah, Lisa. you're ruining this. And I'm. And that does not happen here. If you actually said, <laughs> if it didn't fit their sort of requirements for someone doing good in the world, it, they wouldn't take it on in the first place. And even then, if someone's like, yeah, but I still feel uncomfortable with this, you just don't work on it. Yeah. And I feel like that respect is huge to me and I see it every day and I felt like my I'm working a lot still my blood pressure is lower because I I care about what I'm doing in a different way and some of it isn't as glamorous some of it isn't you know um for brands that you might necessarily see some of it is to help people fight cancer some of it's things like that but I will say then when you meet patients who are survived <laughs> because of you know, because of an organization that helped them, that feels good. And part of the reason Bill brought me in was to sort of bridge the gap a little bit between, you know, there's, they have a lot of nonprofits or they have, they have a lot of organizations that don't have a lot of funding or don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very hard to get great creative out of that sometimes, you know, you really, you really struggle because there's, there's no budget and they don't, they can't take risks all the time. Like they, they need to just be very clear, very straight. Right. Um, Every dollar so, means so much to right. them that and so just they like, can't fail. And so yeah. it, it puts you in, in a little bit of a, of a challenging box. Um, but I know what Bill wanted is, well, let's try to push the, the creative more and let's try and get in more clients that are maybe not nonprofit, but that are still based in genuine sort of have a purpose and things like, you know, an REI or a Tom's or, or brands that actually, you know, I, you could be, and I'm going to use, I don't know, like I'm using Cheetos as an example, but trust me, I love Cheetos and Cheetos has not done anything like this. So disclaimer, but like, it would be like, you know, you'll see brands like, you know, if I'm Cheetos and suddenly I'm like this Cheeto dust reminds me of cosmic dust. So let's do a campaign to save the earth from meteors and we'll mean it. Like it would be bullshit, right? And you would yeah. smell the bullshit. Thank God Cheetos yeah. has not done that. Exactly. Like sometimes yeah. it's really okay to just talk about yummy, it tastes good. Yes. And uh, yeah, get yeah, the yeah. dust on me. And they and and it's so important. I think it's important for brands to know that, to remind themselves that everything you do does not have to be purpose-driven. Yes. You can just sell the thing you are. It's it's that weird when you pretend to to care about something or mean something when it doesn't, that it all falls apart for me. And there's yes. so much of that. Yeah. Um, so it's good. Like, and then and then and then they also have, to your point, they're doing work and they actually stand behind it and they actually help communities. And that's right. really cool. Yeah. And and I love that work. And I think, you know, Bill was like, let's see what else we can get. And we ended up um pitching thinks period underwear. Um and we we won that that work. Um and we I, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm allowed to quite talk about yet, but I will okay. just tell you, we just produced killer work with Pamela Adlon, who is the director and actress and producer of Better Things. And That's that great. was sort of a dream. And after, you know, after I, I wrote it, I was just, uh, one of our, our strategists said to me, you know, this feels so much like this show, Better Things. Have you seen it? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch it. And then I was like, She's incredible. Like I knew her from Californication and stuff, but yeah. Um, I was like, I we gotta reach out. Like she should direct these. And yeah. and hey, this like, is yeah. another another thing for young people in this business is like if you see a show that you love 
and or if something is connected to something you're doing, like find out who wrote it, find out who directed it. Yep. Like start making lists of people, yep. especially younger directors and younger For writers sure. that you're like, hey, I keep seeing this name on things. Let's, you know, because they will work with you on well, stuff, this is you know? this is this was her first commercial ever. That's great. And it was it was such a great experience. I know it's not it's not out yet. So that's why yeah, you can't like, talk about it. We can, we can bleep this out. Bill's yeah. going to be like, if you put that on the air, yeah. I will we probably, sue we you. We probably do have to check. Like, I actually don't know. Oh, I'm definitely I, checking. I will tell you that it was, it's a big deal. Like, and I think people will be like, wait, that came out of Overland. And it's that's going to be great. It's going to be really exciting. And I think it's an example, though, of finding ways and finding places to keep pushing creative. And I think it'll be great for for Overland because it's just about expanding sort of what they can really do and showing people that you can be super creative and purpose-driven at the same time. Yeah. And you, you can do those things. And so that's sort of, I think our goal there and to bring in maybe more, more assignments and, and clients like that. And I think it helps motivate the totally not for profit driven clients to just push a little harder and realize that creativity can actually bring in money. Yeah. And I have experience with that before I got to Overland that I would bring with me to, to tell clients that, that I know it seems a little scary, but even in, in the world of fundraising, when you stand out, you make more. Yeah. Um, and so if you have great scripts that could be award-winning or uh, impactful in culture, you're going to get more directors saying, sure, I'll cut my fee. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're going to get more production companies being like, okay, we'll pay for half of this or something. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. And it's, it's, it is a challenge, right? Because the talent yeah. it's, it's expensive to get the, the top talent. And yeah. for a lot of the smaller things they have to be willing to cut. And that's very hard. Um, you know, ACLU is one of the, the major clients there. And, you know, I've been a, I've been an ACLU donator for a long time. And yeah, uh, me too. Again, I, have, I have a, a literal card in my wallet. Card carrying <laughs> communist. And, you know, to, to, to at this moment in time to know that I can spend my days working on abortion rights and, you know, fighting sort of censorship in schools and fighting for, uh, trans justice and fighting for LGBTQ rights. That's a good day when you know that that's what you're putting your creative powers towards. Yeah. And again, for me, the goal is keep pushing the creative for that. And I, I have, I am finding that younger people are starting to realize that too, that maybe putting all of our minds to things we care about will make those become more powerful. Yeah. And maybe it takes a little longer. Maybe it doesn't seem as cool on the surface for a second. You know, you're looking for a job and you're like, well, I could, I could work on candy bar X or I could work on the ACLU and you think, Oh, well, candy bar X does all the cool things and they're going to be on the super bowl. And I go, yes, again, but in the end, what have you done? You've sold a candy bar. When I go to work, if I come up with something good, like we, we created a new, a, a sort of a new way to talk about abortion and created sort of the phrase forced pregnancy, because what we found was that even Republicans, when they understand that what's really happening is we're being forced to do something against our will, yeah, there's a better response than pro-choice, pro-life. Yeah, because who isn't actually pro-life? Like, right. in the end, we're all pro-life. Absolutely. So, given a, given a choice, uh, yes, I will choose. I will choose yeah, life, as yeah. as Wham would tell us. So. <laughs> Um, George Michael. That's such an old reference. I apologize for all. Also, Frankie say, don't do it. 
yeah. don't know what that means, yeah. but it was on a lot of t-shirts <laughs> back then. But to know sort of, we did that and now you can see all over social media that that the way people are talking about abortion is forced pregnancy. Yeah. And I sort of feel like, well, that seems more satisfying than selling the candy bar. Yeah. So that's, there's something, it it feeds your soul in a in a different way. And so I think continuing to do that and then starting to add more creativity into the mix is the dream for me and is the goal for me. And I think that now I'm situated at a place where we can do that and, yeah. and we can build that. And with people who I trust and who trust me and, you know, it's a nice tight knit group to sort of work with the creatives and things like that. So yeah. it's very, it's much flatter than, than, uh, than a bigger agency. Um, yeah. Are you in the office? Are you going into the office these days? We are not. Um, we have, I think during the pandemic, I think they made a wise choice to actually give up the office. Because, oh, wow. Because it was costing so much money and they couldn't use it. Um, so right now we're, we're rotating, um, sort of moving offices once a week. And we go sort of like a WeWork setup. Um, and That's we meet cool. up and we meet up once a week in different locations for a little while we were doing it at, at chief uh, and it's and it's that's been really nice and and we sort of meet up that way and you know it's 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 such a weird thing with that model I do I personally like it's it's weird because I know I do work better like when I'm in the middle of writing I do work better personally at home when I'm like there's no yeah. distractions and I'm just writing absolutely so in work time I find that really productive. At the same time, I hate not knowing sort of in the same way the people that I work with. Because again, if I look back, and I'm sure you do, like I look back, some of my very, very best friends are from Ogilvy and my first job as a junior. And then everywhere along the way, I've made such close friends. And I don't know that you make them the same way if you're not together and you're not in the I don't know that we'd know each other at all because we didn't really work together ever, but uh, I would see you so much in the halls and we were both such, you know, we I were think both, we yeah, we, we would hear bit. each yep. other, you know, talking about work. And, uh, it was, it was like, for me, learning from all of those styles of, of leadership from Wayne best and, yeah. and Kevin, Kevin, uh, Mulroy was there. Yep. And, uh, like so many people came through that place that you could just be like, Oh, what do you think of this? Or you could show them the work or you could like, for sure. It's so much harder. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm torn too, because I love being at home. I love, uh, working from home. It's just so much easier to get everything so done and I don't know? need to meet anybody. I don't need to hang out. Kill yourself <laughs> there is something missing. where you want to like curse yourself for the, for, you know, sitting on a train or sitting in a oh subway God, and you're yeah. just like, I hate this. Yeah. But I think it's hardest on juniors. I think when you're when you're a, a little older, it's easier because you've established a pace for yourself. You've established how you work. You're maybe more confident in how you work. Yep. And I think for juniors, it's harder. And I know, I know. Again, I know Bill really believes in that too. And so, you know, that's where we're trying to do this sort of meetup where we still all see each other and meet each other. And it has not worked perfectly yet. And I'm a klutz, by the way, and I'm always injured. And um, hey, Tinkle. One second. Tinkle, come here. I'm a, yeah, so I'm a klutz and I'm always injured. And I again <clears throat> broke my foot and I'm in a boot. And so right now it is actually pretty hard to get around. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm very blessed that I don't have to move around too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and in COVID, I was sort of like, why have I lived in a box 
in the city my whole life and I don't own anything and I'm renting and I went and bought a little house in Connecticut. Oh, wow. Um, Is that where you are right now? That's where I am now. Yeah. And I've got rooms and more than, you know, uh, the teeny little like, you know, the, the bedroom is the living room is the bathroom is, you know, so it's nice to have the space um, and it's not exactly commutable. Uh, yeah. So it's it's allows me to, to to spend time here. But I think there's probably a happy medium for everyone. And I do think some of it is giving people the autonomy to choose what they they need to do and want to do. I think as soon as we get back to sort of very mandated policies, I think it's going to be rough for a lot of people. Yeah. Where it's like, you will be back three days a week. And it's like, yeah. yeah, but what if one of those days is a day where I need to be a heads down day? Yeah. And I'm here just to be here. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, if you know, I, I look at it. I know when, you know, when Derek and I were at DDB in the height of it, the hardest was pitches. Like it was very hard to sort of be in that mode of, you know, wanting to look at a wall covered in work and sitting there with the teams and being like, yeah, this works and this doesn't. And what about that? That is much harder. Um, so much probably. harder. And so those are times I would call people and we did that, you know, with things. I know we, we spent some days at chief where everybody came in and we threw everything down and that was really helpful. Um, so I feel like you kind of have to let it be a little bit organic, but yeah, no, no, never seeing each other. I don't think is the answer. No, but um, flexibility for sure is. And, and I, I haven't completely figured it out yet, but um, I don't think any, anybody has. Yeah. And I think it's the kind of thing that uh, it's going to be a case by case basis. Um, so how do people get how do people send you their books? You're going to get a whole bunch of purpose driven creatives from all over the world. Well, sending you their not, books. They're not even all, all purpose driven. I mean, for me, a lot of it is to see people that aren't purpose driven. Right. That That's want, what I meant. That want to do it. You know, um, it's a lot of it, you know, headhunters and a lot of it is send it, send it to to me, send it to Bill. Like, it's so funny, like, cause it's so small. It's sort of like, yeah. send your books. Yeah. You can do it on LinkedIn. You can do it. Um, however you want to do it. Um, okay. You want to give your email address or should we just do it? You can give my email address. It's What's um, Lisa at this is Oberland.com. Um, Lisa at this is Oberland. Yeah. I'd say if you, if you, if you know someone there, you just, they're for take off. I think if you do a first name and this is Oberland.com, you'll probably have the right address. All right. Um, Tinkle and, at this is Oberland.com. Yeah. I'm sending and, mine. And, you know, I, I think um, it's exciting to me, frankly, to see people that are interested in doing this. Cause I think it's a, I think it's a new sort of a new chapter of advertising that I really think is, is pretty cool and pretty special. Yeah. Um, and I think people will find a lot of, of, satisfaction i really do in, yeah. in what they're doing and can still um be creative and so but just sleep a little better at night and that's really really important to me that's certainly so great and <laughs> and uh i wish you so much luck and i and i uh i hope that you can uh, i hope that it, you make it the place that you love i i and, think and i think, think that's all well, you gotta do well on the way and thank you tom lisa topel good human there was a lot in there, huh? Head over to thisisoberlin.com to see everything they're doing that Lisa's doing at uh, Oberlin. And uh, this has been The A-List, sponsored by Ad House Advertising School. I'm Tom Chrisman. I am. Uh, I took a job at catchandrelease.com, so check out catchandrelease.com for 
all your found content needs, and I'll be over there building stuff with them. You can find me at TomCrispin.net as well, and on most social platforms, I'm Mongo Industries. Thank you for listening. Please rate and subscribe this wherever you listen, because that really helps us with the Googles. And thank you to Ross Hopman at Duotone Audio for this wonderful, tinkly music. Um, We love it. All right. See you next time, everybody.